welcome to Post-Credit Conversations, a movie podcast where we believe that a film is only as good as the discussion it inspires. My name is Kale Prindle. And I am Slightly. And we're back! It's very exciting. Oh, man. It was it was rough. It was a rough patch, for sure. Um, <laughs> a lot like of soul-searching, a, a lot of uh, coming out of a cave if you will, um, really reminds me of Plato's allegory where we've been. I just feel like I haven't been in reality much. That's a fantastic connection. Uh, Fantastic connection for several reasons. One, I just finished reading Fahrenheit 451 with my ninth graders uh, at work. And we talk a lot about the allegory of the cave. And it's good. And uh, I know there's other reasons you're saying it, but I'm making even more connections because this week... This week we're going to be making all sorts of connections. There's so much fun stuff to talk about. I'm excited. So uh, Slade and I have been gone for a while. <laughs> the last time we uploaded a podcast was two and a half months ago. Last time Slade and I recorded is closer to three and a half months ago. And though some of those technical things are now being worked out and we're back, uh, we've also made a few small adjustments to how we think we want to work with the podcast moving forward. First... A small tweak to our usual film selection process, instead of just going, I choose a film, Slade chooses a film, and back and forth and back and forth, this year in 2022, we're going to try to do more thematic runs. Maybe we choose a director and watch like four of their films, or maybe we choose a franchise, or maybe we choose a genre, and we're going to try to do a lot more coupling of things together. And to start things out in 2022, we're going to start with a <laughs> franchise that is 23 years old, which is crazy, but they just yep. released their most recent addition to this franchise. And that franchise is the Wachowskis Matrix series. Yes. So let's get to the good stuff. <laughs> I don't know what to, I don't know what to do. That's okay. We are rusty and we are out of practice. Um, That's all right. That's all right. So, yeah. Tell us about this movie. Here we go. The Matrix. The year is 2199, and all of humanity is fighting for its very survival. However, most of humanity has no idea that it's fighting for its survival because it is locked inside of a computer simulation that makes them believe they are living in the world of 1999. The people in the Matrix feel like life is just its regular thing. They have no idea that there could be anything else going on. But in reality, they are all plugged in through ports all over their body into a system that machines are using to power themselves with human biofuel and human bioelectricity. Hacker Thomas Anderson, who goes by the alias Neo, is starting to catch on that something is slightly different than it should be, and he's been contacted by a mysterious figure, Morpheus. Morpheus has let Neo know that he is living in some kind of strange world, and if he would like to have answers, to reach out and do exactly as he says. Neo reaches out, connects with other people connected to Morpheus, such as Trinity, and finds himself 
ripped from the Matrix and awake in a weird dystopian world where they are floating around in a hovercraft. And now, realizing this, he can plug into the Matrix whenever he wants to and learn all sorts of new information by just downloading data into his brain, which gives him borderline superpowers inside the Matrix. But that's not all. More than all of that, Neo is burdened with the news that in this chaotic machine taking over humanity scenario, he is humanity's greatest hope for freedom. He is the one. So, Neo, along with Trinity and Morpheus and the rest of the crew of the Nebuchadnezzar, go into the Matrix and are doing their best to free themselves from the machines and hopefully reach out and save more of humanity. That is about as epic <laughs> of a summary as I feel like I've ever given. <clears throat> so that's that what I'm going to stick with. Thank you. That seems Thank appropriate. You. Now, where is our epic return? Slade, yeah. here's where we have to start. The Matrix okay. is a massive movie. Yeah. Yes, it's 23 years ago. This is a huge, huge film. Uh, when approximately did you first see this movie? <sighs> oh, boy. I don't know when I saw the whole thing. Okay. I saw it in pieces because I probably first really saw it going over to a friend's house and it was like, oh, it's The Matrix. It's this R-rated action violent film. Uh, So we only watched the violent parts, which is the end of the movie. Um, (laughs) It is. We'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So, um, it, it probably would have been high school if I saw the first thing whole, but probably, probably when I was 11 or 12, I probably started okay. seeing, seeing good chunks of it. I, sure. I remember seeing the, the soundtrack actually in your room more, oh, uh, yeah. more, more often than I, <laughs> way before I saw the movie, I saw media related to the movie like soundtrack and stuff right and i think that this film is definitely one that that is uh (laughs) runs that risk the soundtrack of this film was epic for the time i definitely owned it uh most of the names of the artists are not going to be super familiar to people aside from uh, a rob zombie and a marilyn Mm -hmm. manson and rage against the machine yeah but the the Needle drops in this film became so iconic. Yeah. Uh, one of the songs called just like Clubbed to Death, which is this piano and heavy beat. And it's during the scene of the woman in red. Everyone's like, what is this song? This is amazing. And people put it <laughs> everywhere. And then the uh, the scene during the shootout in the lobby, which I want to say is by the Propeller Heads or some other weird group, which now I don't remember what that song is actually called. Uh was in everything for yeah. a small little bit. And every other TV show and movie started doing Matrix parodies immediately. Yeah. Yes. This film was everywhere. So cool. Yeah, I was I was 16 when this movie came out. So it was like perfect. I don't remember yeah. I don't think I saw it in theaters when it was out because even though I was 16, I wasn't seeing a lot of R-rated movies yeah. in theaters, but everybody <laughs> spoke about it. Everyone was making religious parallels to the mm-hmm. matrix and at the christian school i attended of course we were all geeking out about that 
And uh, when I did finally see it, I'm like, this is amazing. And it fit yeah. into the aesthetic that was so perfect for 1999. Lots of black, <laughs> lots of trench coats, lots of sunglasses. This is the era when yeah. Oakley and expensive sunglasses were really taking off and were all over the place. And this movie just perfectly captured, not just captured, it created a lot of the style yes. of that year and for years to come afterwards. So cool, man. Well, yeah. where yeah. do you want to start this conversation? I feel like we can go so it's, many places. It's like you said, it is so entrenched in culture, this movie. Like, it really is. Um, like, I was trying to think, like, where to even begin with a movie like The Matrix. We, we haven't taken on many movies like The Matrix. Like, we've done big movies that are famous. You know, like we did Indiana Jones. We've mm -hmm. done Indiana Jones and things like that. But, like... Indiana Jones things don't permeate culture. Right. People didn't like start dressing in fedoras and leather jackets. No, in <laughs> no not at all. Right. Like it, it's used as a comedy bit. Like the matrix was used in every aspect. Like mm -hmm. the more I thought about it today, cause like even before, like you said, before I even saw the matrix, I knew the things that came from the matrix. Like there's the, the uh, castle, scene in shrek when he's running away from the dragon and the fire taken straight from the matrix the slow motion yep. running just was done to death in the years <laughs> there afterwards were so many slow you motion know, things so, in so many, many movies. And, yeah. and, and they're direct references to the matrix you know it's 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 not subtle at all <laughs> right deuce bigelow male gigolo had a matrix fight um, yeah. Scary Movie 1 had a Matrix fight. Uh, Kung Pao, which is a ridiculous film, had a Matrix fight with a cow. Uh, yeah. I mean, everybody was like, we got to get our Matrix thing in there. Yeah. So it is. And, and, it was parodied and, to death. Yeah. And it, it survived even the initial parodies. It's like you go to Kung Fu Panda, it's there, you know. Um, <laughs> True. It, and, you know, it, it, it's not even so much parodied as in, like, even not the slow motion, the, the style, the kung fu references, you know, were done in such a way where it's like those things existed in film. In Tarantino films, they mm -hmm. exist as definite references. The Matrix didn't seem to do that, I think, because The Matrix itself is probably the most popular movie that references all this junk before it. Uh, yes. You know what I mean? Like, because this is what I was thinking about. Because we we have talked about one of the direct references uh, that influenced this movie, which is Ghost in the Shell. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there's much more. I'm actually reading one of the books that also was used, Neuromancer. It's from the oh, yeah. 80s. Um, yep. It's hard book to read. But anyway. like It is hard. <laughs> goodness, I... I was I I was track, assigned but. Neuromancer when I was in college, <laughs> and uh, I did not make it through. <laughs> I yeah. did not have the fortitude to stick with it because I'm like I can't tell what what is happening yeah. half the time. But no, it's, yeah, no, exactly. It, you know, it, it, it Neuromancer is like Dune for other sci-fi movies. <laughs> like right. what the hell? What for, the hell is for, going uh, on here? For techno sci-fi, whereas Dune yeah. is a much more epic fantasy yeah. sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. So so like this movie just it has everything that came before it and it influenced everything that came after it. 
Yeah. You know? It's true. Um, And it's all good and bad. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe we start with – maybe that's what we do. We start with the bad. <laughs> things, oh, things in the Matrix because I will tell you today, as I was watching it on my plan periods at school, which I just want to re- uh, say how proud I am of that. Uh, I did uh, not plan to teach children. I watched the Matrix and it was it's a gonna better It's going to be a, a bummer when your principal starts listening to our podcast. <laughs> Because they're going to be like, I need a good Matrix movie podcast, and then they find out. (laughs) Right. No, as I was watching it, like, so much in this movie holds up. Mm Mm-hmm. So well that you forgive the things that don't. Specifically, (laughs) I'm going to pick on the first thing that I immediately noticed. Okay. Maybe not, not immediately. Is the line, I don't remember... The woman's name. She's part of the crew of the Nebuchadnezzar, the blonde person. Oh, Switch. Switch. When she is first introduced, they pick up Neo in the car. He's been Mm -hmm. bugged. And they're like, get in. And he's like, I'm just going to leave. And she utters a line that no one decided to do a second take or rewrite and said, this is perfect. This is conveys the seriousness we are trying to get across which is you can do it our way or the highway and they just moved right on after she said that that line is terrible it's a cliche what is it doing here and there's not many of those there's not (laughs) many in this movie and again that's why it holds up so well it's like there's not many cheesy lines in this movie but there's that one there's our way or the highway (laughs) So are we the highway? There, you know? It is cheesy. I mean, at this point, I need to go back and check the timelines to see if Limp Biscuit <laughs> had already released Roland or not, uh, because that's all I think about with that is Fred Durst. <laughs> exactly, like, it's my way, my way, or the highway. Yes. And uh, uh, so, to me, that line makes me laugh. Otherwise, I didn't think it was that cringy. But I need to check my timeline. Well, if it came out after Limp Biscuit, then it's a problem. I laugh. Yeah, it is funny because it's just like, huh. But it's not great. It's not a great line. No, it's like, not. For a it's movie that has so much great stuff in it, it's just like it has enough of those late '90s, early 2000s yes. things within it, where it's just like I don't know how I feel about that. But it's good enough. I'm gonna move on. The other one, and this is later in the movie. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm picking all my bones because there's so much good stuff. Is Trinity, before they go to save Morpheus, she gives a little speech, because mm. y- y- which is so classic, like 2000s action right before the big fight spiels, you know, and she's like, I'm going to go in there and... Right. It's First just of all, so, I think Morpheus means more to me than he does to you. And if you're going to yes, do this, yeah, you're going to yeah, need yeah, my yeah. help. That, yeah. that, that speech, yeah. Yeah. And said, like, it ends with, like, and if you don't like it, you can go to hell or something. And, it, oh, yeah. again, it's not cringy. It's just so funny that it's just like, huh. That just is there. It's not bad. But it is just like, and then every movie 
it seems that's epic or actiony has some okay. version of that. Not that the Matrix did it first, but is included right. in such a great movie is this thing that's like, yeah, okay, okay. So I'm going to say on that. I think I think there's a handful of tropes that this does. I mean, because this is also a movie that is yeah. very much referenced. Where it's like if you want to see how the mono myth works in action, it's this movie. It yeah. follows it step by step all the way through. And I think some of those things are like, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. that's maybe where you got trapped in your formula a little bit and you weren't sure what to write for this moment. Yeah. Uh, I don't think, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think Trinity's speech strikes me one way or the other. I actually really like it because... Oh, yeah, no, it's Trinity, great. the whole, this whole movie, she's just like obsessed with Neo, obsessed with Neo, obsessed with Neo because he's the one, the one, the one, and then this thing like, I fell in love with you, apparently, like yeah. that happened. Like, those are the moments that, like, the falling in love thing is not great. Um... <laughs> so her speech about like, and if you don't like it, well, then you can go to hell, I think is pretty sweet because we Trinity is our first character we really see in this yeah. movie. The first character who does anything. And so she opens this film at a computer, destroys the police who come in to try to arrest her, does the first jump floaty camera yeah. spin yeah. rotation. It's a really, and that scene still looks really good. That's what I was worried yeah. about. I was like, is that going to look good? And it does. She's awesome. Yeah. She's incredible. And um, Carrie Ann Moss? I believe I should so. Have looked. I think that's right. Carrie. I know it's is Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure it's Carrie Ann Moss. Um, she's so good at that role. Like, she plays the, the, the bad girl who's actually very tough, but she hits the fear when she needs the fear yeah. when the agents are chasing her. But then, like, after that first scene, she doesn't do much no no she she talks to neo obviously she helps get him where he needs to go but she doesn't do a whole lot so for her to come back alive at the end with her speech about morpheus means more to me than does to you i think is actually really maybe the line's not perfect but i like it because she's right neo is like we gotta go save morpheus and it's like we don't know how long he's been out of the matrix and in the real world but his connection to morpheus is pretty thin he doesn't care about Morpheus. He doesn't love Morpheus. He doesn't have a relationship with Morpheus. Morpheus is just the guy who's like, you are the one, and that's all it is. That's the only connection they have. So I like that speech. What Switch is talking about, I think that scene is a little bit weirder because after the our way or the highway line, Neo opens the door and he's about to leave and Trinity has to stop him. And she's like, you don't want to go down that road. You've been down that road. You know where it leads. And my wife and I are watching the movie, and we're like, where does it lead? Like, what does that line actually mean? It doesn't actually fit yeah. in the context. Like, if yeah. it's the figure it out on your set, on your own, you're never going to be able to. You're going to be unhappy. Maybe, but that's not clear. It just It's yeah. a line that seemed like it was written to be cryptic, but it doesn't really mean anything. And so there's a few of those. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say another thing, and this is just a film, straight-up film, visual thing when they have the shot going down the actual dark road behind neo when trinity says that and and this just takes the film visual person to be like i see what they did there again not bad but it's just like okay yeah i see what you did there the by the just dark, showing the, the road when they say by the just road. showing the dark road alleyway behind him I'm like, right. yeah. It, yeah what this movie does well and maybe this is a transition point is <clears throat> It establishes all of its themes so well and not in a cringy way. 
Like like those few things, though maybe not cringy, but just more. Oh, that's pretty obvious to do in a film. Mm-hmm. Everything else should seem that way, but it pulls it off so well. Because like uh the the thing you're talking about with Neo, you know, and what Trinity is referencing, like I I would almost say that is somewhat established right because there's the um i don't remember if morpheus had given his speech yet i don't think he had because they hadn't met met morpheus yet because he's talking about basically the consumerism of the matrix like there is just a blatant thing more so in the beginning of the film that is just referencing the matrix is all this unreality reality uh right it, it 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 the allegory is much more strong in the first part of the movie. And then it becomes more mythological. Like, okay, now there's a world behind this, like an actual world, everything kind of before they wake up and they're in the actual 2199 or whatever yeah. is very, uh, it seems to be really poking. <laughs> You know, at at certain things, to me, I don't know. If that well, makes what sense, I think they but... do well is like, as far as creating that that setup of what is the Matrix and, and dealing with that setup, like the way this film is shot. Once Neo is involved, right? He's mm-hmm. the first time we see him, he's asleep. He wakes up yeah. to see his computer talking to him. We have at least two other times after that that he wakes up after something really intense happening. Like after he's arrested by the agents and his mouth disappears, which is creepy as anything, but then he wakes up. And so even as the viewers, like, is he awake or is he asleep? And that's kind of the whole drive is you don't know what's real and what's not real. And he does that again a little bit later. And then even the number of times we see him wake up in the Nebuchadnezzar, the fade ins and fade outs, the transitioning from, I was just in my weird goop pod and now here's me getting my acupuncture and the fade in and fade out and, and everything else. Like it is this, the filmmaking on that level I think is so strong because it keeps yeah. reinforcing this idea of sleeping and waking up, sleeping yeah. and waking up. What, where are we? That didn't yeah. make sense. Well, what now? And, and then when you do get outside, even when you see the reality, you're like, well, that doesn't make sense either. But like, that's what's actually real. And that's established so well because the other part of this movie and its cultural impact is this did what Inception later did because Inception was a movie where people were like, oh, my goodness, are we is like the end of Inception? Is it real or is it a dream? Well, The Matrix kind of brought in that idea first. Yeah. And and really everybody's like, what if we are in a simulation? And everyone was talking about it when this movie came out too. And I think the filmmaking on that is just fantastic, the way they reinforce those themes. Now, when you get to Morpheus, yeah, he solidifies it. If you're ever if you didn't know uh, if you're awake or you're asleep, and and how would you know if the real world or the dream world, which one was real, all of that just keeps doesn't add a whole lot of extra stuff, just reinforces it. Yeah. And then so when you get to the point of like Whoa, what? <laughs> Why is there a naked Keanu Reeves going down a water slide? Yeah. But it makes sense because they've does, reinforced yeah. those ideas so well. Yeah. Well, it, and it, it just works out so well on so many levels. Like, it reinforces that idea. So when naked Keanu Reeves wakes up, it's like, oh, okay. Like, like there's such a great sci-fi world 
behind yes. everything in the matrix where it's just like it it's doing it's doing what sci-fi does but also what allegory does mm-hmm. very well like when we talk about fahrenheit 451 it's just like oh that's a real world and also all this stuff indicates other stuff um and the matrix works on all of those levels where it's just like oh we don't know if it's a dream or if it's real and we're discussing what's going on in the real world and maybe your dead-end job at corporate and whatever but also this is a sci-fi movie so here's here's this actual world behind it and and I can't wait actually to force myself to watch the other two movies. Um, <laughs> there's no better I'm also, way. There's I know, no better I'm way to say that. I'm also excited to watch them again, even though I know it doesn't hold up as well as no, the first it, one. It, it, it I'm still excited. It doesn't. Yeah. But but as I've mostly heard from most people, it's like what they do do really well is is dig into that sci-fi world and that established allegory of what we're talking about and the philosophical side of things and right. and this movie does it just so well <laughs> where you can enjoy it on all of those levels um which is crazy. so let's get to the to the philosophical then a little bit one thing i didn't realize until i watched this movie this last week is how talky it is uh-huh so like the second movie I think more than any of them gets really criticized for being way too heavy on just dialogue and exposition and all these weird explanations of what's going on. But watching the first one this week, I'm like, this movie does the same darn thing. I think it just does it better. And we'll find out if that's true when we watch Reloaded in the next episode. But if I was breaking down the action points, you've got Trinity's action scene at the beginning. You have the training montage in the dojo. And then there's, like, no more action until they're trying to escape the agents in the building. And then from that point on, the last half hour or however long it is, is just, like, nonstop. It's the lobby. It's the rooftop. It's the helicopter. It's the subway. It's everything. But there's a lot of space in here where we're just getting exposition dumps. But I think this movie does it really well. And I think part of it is because of the philosophy this is playing with, like, getting to those issues that are you know basically plato's allegory of the cave of what's real and what's not are these just shadows what's what's the reality um and how do we get people out of here all of that is there but i think just the way they do each of the scenes it just all looked so dang cool yeah and everything was surprising and still seems fresh even though it's 23 years later and i know all this stuff it seems really cool yeah so here's my question to you I know that's not really getting into the philosophy because we there's not a whole lot more in this first movie to dig into. Maybe a little bit with what Agent Smith talks about. Uh, <clears throat> but as far as exposition dumps, what is the best scene oh, in this movie where Morpheus is just trying to explain something? Because there's kind of a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. My favorite... <clears throat> Is probably the the blue pill, red pill. Oh yeah, yeah. It's I so I, I think I think that gets to the heart of of the uh, more heady stuff of this movie. 
uh-huh. outside the action and the sci-fi. I think that just cuts immediately. It builds the world, but it establishes all these metaphors for what it is also talking about. Yeah. You know, and you know, it, it lays the stakes out so well for the character of Neo. Like that's what I got this time of just like how well this lays down what the red pill and the blue pill are actually about, which is like, do you just want to keep doing it? Because it's pretty nice, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) like, and it does so well establishing that and writing out dialogue that establishes what that means versus you can also know what it's all about. And it's an answer. And that's all it is, you know? And yeah. Like, oh, that is, it is very pointed for 99 and 2022 and 2021. <laughs> like, you know, so I, I think it just, oh, it's so good. <laughs> that's my, that's and, my favorite. And Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne, we haven't really talked about the acting yeah. in this movie specifically, yeah. but the acting in this movie is strange in the best possible way. Lawrence mm. Fishburne is amazing. Yeah. Even though all he does is give speeches yeah. <laughs> like for the whole movie and he's awesome at it. And so when he's just like, you take the blue pill, you wake up in your apartment and you, you know, believe whatever you want to believe. Or you take the yeah. red pill and you see just how far down the rabbit hole goes or it's just yeah. like he's got a his cadence is good. His voice is good. He looks awesome in yeah. everything he's dressed in. The he has the coolest glasses. movie. He the glasses has the that coolest just pinch glasses. the nose, which yeah. would look so dumb on your average person, I feel. But on him, yeah. totally works. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think that's a great scene. It, it reminds me also of the weird thing about this 1999 Matrix world. Why is everything such a terrible, trashed-up place? Neo's apartment is garbage. He's making a ton of money, I think. I think that's what we're supposed to assume. He makes a ton of money from his actual job and from being a hacker and selling software on the side. He lives in the most awful, gross, whatever. The place where the Oracle lives, garbage. Where they take Neo to go through the mirror, terrible. I don't know what's up with this world. So anyway, that scene is awesome. The aesthetic of it is great. Um, I think I've always just really liked um, the dojo scene. Just because yeah. it's so cool. One, it's action. It's great. It's a great choreographed action scene, but also it's still in that process of we're learning what the Matrix is. Um, and so, where we've got him trying to tell him how there are rules, but it's a computer program. Yeah. And if you know it's a computer program, those rules can be bent and broken. And then to watch this fight play out. And as you're watching it, you're like, wait, that shouldn't even be possible. And having that be part of the world yeah. is so cool. The yeah. first time Neo jumps and does that like triple kick thing and it doesn't look stupid. No. That's my favorite part is because you we've we watched Mortal Kombat. We know what it looks like when a multiple jump kick looks terrible and this movie yeah. makes it look like you could believe it and it's so good. Yeah. Oh, and that one is so great too because watching it this time around like how how this movie establishes the matrix and i can understand why people went bananas like like the nerdy people mm-hmm. <laughs> went bananas for this because i'm like oh i barely know anything about computers and stuff but then i'm like <laughs> right. like it clicked with me this time I'm like oh this 
explains itself so well because I never quite got the computer programming aspect of it until I was watching the dojo scene today. And I'm like, oh, he like like it's literally a video game. Yeah. That you're imagining. You're plugged into a video game. So if you have a limited imagination, you're going to be limited. And like that's Neo's breakthrough is like, I just have to believe I can do it. Well, and, and, I think and cool even though that, knowing is possible, he has to yes. overcome it because it, you know, the mind and the body are still attached and all that. But right, it's so good. Ah. Well, and what's cool <laughs> about that is like you know you can you look at what people do in video games. Yeah. Like you look at what the speedrunners can do. You look at what people who have like find every possible glitch yeah. and hack and things. It's like. It wasn't designed for you to go in and change the code. You just realized, oh my goodness, if I do this one little thing, everything... Like, I was watching a Breath of the Wild speed run. Um, (laughs) Because when I play video games, I don't have the dedication to go searching around that much. So for me, I'm like, Breath of the Wild, great game, love it. It took me a long time to beat it, and I took my time and I enjoyed it. So I'm like, what is a speed run even like for this? Yeah. And when you watch it, you're just like, what the heck? What, What did I just see? Yeah. And yeah. people find these things out and they break the system. And what you're telling me and, and what you're getting to with that scene is that's exactly what's going on. Yeah. Neo, what is real? What is not? And especially by the end of the movie, the way he's able to overcome that mind-body connection and actually see the code. He's like, I can yeah. do it. I can jump inside your skin and make you explode if I want to. Um, <laughs> yes. Which is both terrifying and amazing. Yes. Um, yeah, no, that was good. And we keep bringing up like, uh, like how this movie holds up, like again, watching it today. And I think we both watched it around the same time, like two ish years ago. It, it still holds up. It's so good. It it just still looks good. And yeah. Um, there's a handful of special effects that do feel like 99, but even then just barely like, one of yeah. them that really caught my attention this time, and probably because I'm watching it on a much better TV than I've ever had in the past, because <laughs> <laughs> yes. I got a better TV like a year ago. And um, Morpheus's glasses, when he's holding up the red pill and the blue pill, and they're reflected in his glasses. Uh-huh. And when I looked at that scene, I'm like, oh, see, now I can see more like they didn't just line it up for a reflection. Like those are like fake lenses there to kind of get this perfect mirroring thing. But yeah. like, that's not a big deal, but I noticed it. I think yeah. the the squid robots, they still, I mean, they don't look photoreal, but they look really cool. They're designed yeah. so well. Um, and I think when his mouth is sealing shut, uh, looks, looks a little so, weird, yeah. but it still looks good. And it's because they're yeah. smart about they only kept it in motion for like a second yeah. or two and then they switch to the prosthetics where it's all just already covered so you don't have to worry yeah. about it too much yeah. so they're still using a lot of good practical effects to cover yeah. up what cg was not going to handle definitely and, and as i was watching it today i think even the cg you know it works for me yeah and and, and it's because of what the movie is saying and what it is like mm-hmm. at least for me i intellectualized it too much but i'm just like they're in a computer program yeah <laughs> and so so it looking like a computer program maybe i'm justifying it looking maybe not up to snuff but i'm like it works because 
well, they're it's just like in a computer the, program, you know. Like, it's so like the, when the, the walls do Tron. the weird wah 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 wah, it's like, right? Yeah, it would do that. <laughs> yeah, and if you watch the original Tron, even though that's like so early CG, you don't care because they're inside yeah. an '80s video game. So of yeah. course it's going to look weird. Yeah. So it actually kind of makes sense and works, yeah. and it doesn't distract. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. I think the actual the actual worst CGI in this film is probably the bug and it's not even that it looks bad but like yeah. the morphing it does from being in its little glass capsule to being in a live spidery thing is probably the thing that looks the oldest in this movie okay. um but even then they're smart they don't show it for super long so you no. move on with it and yeah. it's good um it has so, yeah. such a good creep factor Oh yeah, that that you can get past it. Well, See, for me, it's the mirror. The mirror looks burrows. so. Oh, you're right. You're right. The mirror is worse. <laughs> that that one. You're right. <laughs> you can get past it, but I'm like, 1999, right there. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, let's talk Sorry. a little bit about Sorry. the. Acting, and then maybe we'll finish okay. up with All some right. of the action, and then we'll kind of see yeah. where it goes. So oh, we talked boy. about Lawrence Fishburne already; he's yeah. amazing. He's great. Uh, how does Keanu Reeves do in this movie? <sighs> this is well before the Keanu sons, so it is, I'm curious it is. how how it reads. It, to you it's before time. everyone started loving him and was pooping on him, probably even still in this movie. To be quite honest, I. <sighs> I don't know. I was in the Keanuessance. I still am, to be quite honest. I know you and, are. And so it's it's kind of hard. He is able to do this character really well, though. I don't think he's a great actor necessarily in this movie. I think how the character is written, he has exactly the tools he needs to play, though. Because, like, there is always the famous, you know, yeah. trivia about this movie that it's like, Will Smith turned it down and went and did Wild Wild West. But watching this, I'm not going to lie. If I think of Will Smith doing this and all of the things that Will Smith does, which is being Will Smith, I would not <laughs> I I would not like the character of Neo because I mm. Will Smith does things and he does it in dramatic roles as well. Even his best ones, there's just that little bit of Willennium in them you know i mean um and at this point 99 will smith i don't think could maybe separate some of that like hearing will smith deliver some of those lines so keanu reeves doing them i think that bill and ted energy of what works so well for what is needed which is you're waking up to everything going on around you um, so, so I don't know if it's lack of a saying I, he has a lack of ability or anything, but I think he plays this so well and, and he's pretty synonymous with this movie. Yes, he is. And I think, I think it's because it's, it works. <laughs> he yeah. works really well. Um, plus he does all the physical stuff really, really well. Um, yeah, so he's he able to do the dialogue he just fits <laughs> yeah. what this character is. No, I agree is. with you. I think that uh, Keanu in the 90s, I mean, aside from this movie, I feel like Speed yeah. was his other biggest movie, you know, yeah. before this. And in Speed, he's playing a 
a, an angrier version of this character, but he's still he's still Keanu. Keanu does not yeah. separate. He you don't lose Keanu yeah. in the role. No. He's he's not Gary Oldman where you're like that was him. Whoa. Yeah. yeah exactly. Or rather, that was him. Whoa. Um, so. Yeah, I agree. Because I've thought about this for years when I first heard that Will Smith was originally offered this role. And there's one thing I wish... There's really only one reason I wish that had happened. Mm -hmm. It would change the dynamic of this movie so much in good and bad ways. The good way is it would completely shift the race balance in this movie. And I think that'd be fascinating. What do you get when a movie like this... Because Will Smith, in most of his movies, is like, hi, I'm here. I'm the black lead, and there's probably not a whole lot of other black characters in my movies. Yeah. Unless it's me and uh, Martin Lawrence and Bad Boys. But otherwise, it's just me. Because I'm Will yeah. Smith, and I can carry it. And so if he had been in this movie, you'd have Will Smith and Lawrence Fishburne. And then you'd have the guy who plays Tank and Dozer, which yeah. I think would be really interesting. So you'd all of a sudden, and then you've got APOC. I don't know what ethnicity that actor is. But you have, you know, five of the crew of the Nebuchadnezzar would then be people of color. And I think that'd be really interesting to have them leading this rebellion would completely change the way this movie feels. And I think that'd be fascinating to see. And I wish I could have seen it. And I think the Wachowski still wanted to play with that because when they, there was a video game that came out after this called Enter the Matrix. And the main character there, um, is a is a black lead and people loved it i think that's something that they are always interested in trying to do i think the wachowskis are always interested in lots of types of diversity um but otherwise i agree with you will smith in this role would have too many will smith isms um yeah because the keanu isms fit this character perfectly a will smith energy would make neo way more cocky yeah and (laughs) Funny in a way that wouldn't match the tone of this film. Yeah. You know, and, and, them telling him to yeah. go out to the scaffold and climb up to the roof, you would have more of a hell nah kind of uh, energy because yeah. that's what he was doing when he was doing yeah. Men in Black yeah. and Wild Wild West. It's that kind of stuff. So I don't know how that would have worked out. I want to be in the alternate universe where I can find out just to see it, but yeah. I don't think it would have been <laughs> as good. No, I don't think so. Um yeah, everyone else is great though. Uh, Hugo Weaving, we gotta though. talk Hugo Weaving. He man, he's so, so good. Man, uh, Hugo Weaving is one of those people. You mentioned Gary Oldman, where it's just like you know who Hugo Weaving is when you see him. Though mm-hmm. we are probably in the minority of people who know his actual name. That um, is true, <laughs> but he does embody the roles at least his big roles which which i would say there are what three which is agent you could make smith. an argument for four yeah okay. agent smith a- agent is the smith, biggest uh elrond yep um v yep and what's your fourth i was thinking red skull in the first captain america oh, yeah, movie yeah. oh yeah um, and see <laughs> the makeup you don't even know <laughs> And two of those, like he's he's made up. Yeah. And no, he's yeah. great. What I what I'm impressed with most with him in this movie is how much of a presence he has yeah. for basically being cardboard. Like yeah. he is an expressionless, emotionless creature yeah. for the majority of this movie. And he's still super imposing 
and kind of creepy and you pay attention to everything he says and does. Yeah. Like he loses his stuff once when he's talking to Morpheus about humans are a virus and I it's the smell and I feel like I'm infected with it and he starts to get yeah. really really weird. But yeah. by the time you get to that, you're just like, no, this guy is a machine and he's terrifying because of it. And yeah. he the fact that he doesn't express or emote makes it even scarier. And so I know that changes a lot in the movies to come. So I'll be really curious to watch how that's kind of how that evolves yeah. as we move forward. No. So I, that's interesting. I, I think the three male leads are just perfectly suited for this movie. Yeah, they're top notch. Um, it, for the tone and everything. And again, Carrie is perfectly She's great. cast <clears throat> in this because she just has, again, a presence uh, in this movie that you know is great you know she she's very ba and <laughs> you know yeah she is she is just um i feel like we have to talk about cypher though as well Cypher's joe really good. and i forget how to say his last name starts with a p <laughs> and i'm not going to try to pronounce it um and i'm going to i'm going to keep you in my ear so i'm listening okay. but i have to go grab my laptop charger so i'm going to let okay. you talk about cypher for a second and oh, how gosh. good or bad he is. And I will be back in like 45 seconds. Okay. But I'm listening. You're in my ear. Go. Perfect. Uh, Cypher plays the betrayer, the Judas, really well in this movie. Um, he has a look. And makeup did a really good job on this. Bald. He has this, you know, early film villain stash like he is the guy who ties up trinity and puts her on the train tracks Ooh, i like that, that. <laughs> that's his energy at least his makeup and, and he's sleazy and he's yeah, he sleazy in the best way that 90s movies especially 90s sci-fi movies the best of them had that one really sleazy guy but he has more presence than those specifically i'm thinking of a series maybe we do it maybe we don't terminator 2 the guy mm. who goes and licks sarah connor <laughs> he has that kind of energy except he's an actor <laughs> you know so they give him more <laughs> lines it, you know and he's really good you know as a secondary villain in this movie He's yeah. great. You he know? is. He's great. Um, I love your your comment about his look because his look is such that he almost looks like he looks kind of cool. Like they all look cool, right? The style of this movie. Once you get him dressed up, once you get Cipher dressed the way he wants to dress, give him the sunglasses. I don't care if he's yeah. you know shaved head, even with the mustache and soul patch ish thing. It's longer yeah. than a soul patch, so I don't know what to call it. Like I've done. Sort of similar facial hair at some point, right? I don't, I don't hate yeah. his look, but it, it makes him weaselly in a yeah. way that you don't know yeah. if you can trust him. So I love that. Um, I love his motivation. Yeah. It makes so much sense. He's like, this life sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're I, living I, on the Nebuchadnezzar. Well, he's such a good foil to what Neo does, right? Yes. Of just like, I'm going to find out. And Neo's like, it's kind of sucks, but I'm in it. And he's the other guy just like, 
I effed up. What the heck? I did not want this. This is not at all like, like truth. F that. I I want steak. You know, like right. I don't care if it's <laughs> real. Like it, it it tastes good. I want. You know, he's the one. I see the pretty blonde. I see the redhead. You know, there yeah. there is this weird '90s energy with the the female situation the the male yeah, game no, is going is sleazy. on you but, mentioned him but, sleazy <laughs> and we see that with him in trinity it's one of those things that is really yeah. creepy um you know as he's like going from person to person and uh talking to them while they're still in the matrix and like the way he talks to trinity is like oh you are you're yeah. gross you're gross yeah. um but he's a guy who misses a lot of those very simple I guess I could even say carnal pleasures of just like, yeah. I want good food to eat, good things to drink. I I want the sex. I want all of this stuff. And living in the Nebuchadnezzar, in the hellscape of 2199, where I'm eating the goop, that is what yeah. they eat for their meals. He's like, no, this isn't it. Like more than almost any villain, I would love to have like a cipher backstory. I want yeah. to know what he was doing before he was pulled from the Matrix. I want to know how that went. Was he somebody who they thought was the one? Or was he somebody that they just thought was, hey, he's figuring it out. Let's see if we can get him to join. I want yeah. to know so many things about him. So yeah. he's great. We need to talk about the action in this movie. Yes. Because it would be stupid not to. And we're starting to run out of time. Obviously, we haven't done this in a while. Hopefully, the next episodes are shorter since we're going to keep talking right. about the Matrix. We don't have to cover as yeah. much ground. But yeah. – um, I mentioned already there's only a handful of actual action scenes. Slade, yeah. which one is the best? <laughs> um the best one is is the last long string of sequences. The moment they walk in <laughs> the whole I, last like, half hour. <laughs> the whole last like come on. <laughs> I mean from I mean, the moment they walk in the building to the end, if you want me to get more specific, I, I am partial to when they walk in the, the giant building. Okay, I, lobby I, scene. I, I, Yeah, the lobby scene. I, I, I just think that has, b- besides the bullet dodging on the roof, that mm. one stands out still it, from this movie. Like... Any film, filmstagram, which I peruse, will inevitably have, you know, the behind the scenes of the walls exploding and everything. Yes. Like, this is a reference point for other things, um, you know. Um, and well, it and the looks good. Board is so cool. It's so cool because yeah. they're going back in. You've got that, you know, this is reaching that apotheosis moment in your monomyth, yeah. right? It's yeah. the Neo is like, I'm going back in. They're in the Matrix. Like, what do you need? Guns. Lots of guns. Everything zooms in. But aside from that, him just walking into the building, the slow building music, that weird clang, whatever they're using to keep the time, and it's in sync with his steps, so every step is clang, clang, and and then he puts the thing on the (laughs) conveyor belt, and you don't know what it is, and he walks through the metal detector. Everything is slow, and then it's funny. Like it, it yeah. does both these things so well. When the guy sees that he's carrying all these guns, yeah. like, when he just opens then, his coat <clears throat> nonchalant, it ah oh, so good. <laughs> it is, yeah, and that's the cool factor of this movie is, yeah, you know they they run in so smooth. Like we know we've got this, we know we've got this, 
And then they are, yeah, they're ducking, they're dodging, whatever. Even though some of it is also very silly. Doing a cartwheel to pick up a gun is silly, but it still works. Yeah, yeah. It still works. And, and really, again, with all the action sequences, like, again, maybe because it became the reference point for until yeah. now, it like, there's not that level of silliness really throughout the movie of the cartwheel and, and over-the-top action. Because, yeah. like... No specific moment, except for uh, Lawrence Fishburne's one real fight scene with yeah, Agent Smith, which is really awesome. It is. I will say that is a close second for me because I was just like, "It's so this, sad though." This he is just gets really good. Beats so bad. He does, but man, there's just this like great, you know, like yeah. The when end, he headbutts, well, when he headbutts, it's just like oh yeah. <laughs> It's the, the most brutal fight because at that moment, yeah. Morpheus is like, I'm, I need to do this to save Neo. So there's a passion behind it. There's a drive behind it. And he's losing every second of the way. He yeah. gets like one or two shots on Smith and then he's just getting laid out. And you feel that and everyone's screaming and sliding down yeah. inside the walls. Like that is a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's hard to beat. I mean, I, I even though it was a cop-out answer, I agree with you. The whole last half hour of this is so much fun. Uh, but when they are in the subway, there's a lot of other things, too, because the humor is there as well. They're mm-hmm. lining up across the subway, the newspaper floating through, the focus on the hands, like, oh, this is an Old yeah. West shootout. Yeah, yeah. Which just looks cool. <laughs> but then what I love about that fight scene so much is how frequently it references the dojo scene. Mm-hmm. This is, like, where Neo has grown because he's doing yeah. a lot of the exact same actions and moves that he was using with Morpheus in the dojo. Um, but now it's with Smith and he's evolved most of those. Um, and now he's better at all of them too. And so that's really cool. Um, it also, I also, I'm glad I could watch this movie and still enjoy it. I worried that this movie had been ruined for me, uh, about 10 years ago because we were watching a riff tracks for the matrix yeah. And if you're not familiar with Rift Tracks, Rift Tracks is Mystery Science Theater 3000. And it's just audio commentary you can download. And it's just people making jokes throughout the whole movie. And for The Matrix, it's fantastic. But yeah. during that subway scene, they are just making all sorts of comments like, this is silly, right? Like, we're not crazy. And they just point out every little thing that's kind of dumb. Yeah. And they're not wrong. And yeah. it was probably the hardest I've ever laughed in my life after Neo gets knocked down stands up and just shakes the dust off of him by striking the pose. And when they do this <laughs> riff tracks is he stands up and he just goes, I am a little teapot. And it's so, so funny <laughs> because it's exactly what it looks yeah. like. And so I worried that this scene would be ruined for me. And I'm happy that it wasn't. It was still so yeah. fun to watch. It was super cool. Yeah. So that's a good one. Absolutely incredible. All oh. right. You ready to hop to ratings? Oh, man. I didn't even think of rain. Sure, let's do it. (laughs) To the ratings! All right. Since you're still thinking about it, I can give mine first if you'd like. Fair enough. Okay. Okay. So... I have a good movie uh, ready, so this works. Wait. What do you mean there's a good movie? I'm choosing the next movie, right? I know exactly. We're doing all the make. I know. I was going to say I see what you're doing. I'm with you. Whatever. I'm still here. I wasn't in on the joke. I'm sorry. I don't. Okay. You you (sighs) wouldn't want to be in on that joke. But. (laughs) The Matrix. This movie is so cool. 
Like, it's just cool. You know, I love so much about it. It's a nostalgia trip for me to take me back to when I was 16, where I was absolutely buying into black trench coats and sunglasses. Uh, the, the, The cool goth aesthetic that is in here... I love it. It just feels so cool and fun for me because it just takes me back. So that's one reason I really enjoy it. I think the style in which they do this is so top-notch. They take a movie with so much exposition, but because of the way they drop the music, because of the special effects they put in, and just the nature of the content, you're engaged the whole time because you're trying to figure out everything as well. And so you're never really bored watching this movie, even though, like I said, I was surprised how much of it is just talking and telling people this is the world it is over and over and over again. But it's still, it's just, it's so good. Um, We've mentioned several times that, of course, that it's been ripped off uh, so many times. But technologically speaking, it can't be overstated how important this movie is from the bullet dodging to the, you know, freeze frame rotate the camera around a person type of a thing it had never been done before and it was so cool and interesting and the best part in this film is they didn't overdo it and i feel like we'll be talking about how that doesn't necessarily mean that they don't always not overdo it because they they will but in this movie they strike that perfect balance of style and substance there's a lot to think about that's just fun even if really the only depth of it is are we in a computer simulation and yeah. fate and a few other things, but it's also just so f- it's the funnest way you could explore those topics. And, uh, it's incredible. I love it. It's a five-star movie for me. Oh, Pressure's on. All right. Even the- though some of it is silly, <laughs> but I still yeah. call it a five-star movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, th- this movie is, pretty dang near perfect i it really is um there there are the things and you can't blame the movie for doing it because it came out in 99 and then everything movies we've watched that came out after this that oh a lot of their leather to this movie underworld underworld Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um this movie is very perfectly cast. It's dang near perfectly written. The Wachowskis, I mean, created one of the landmark sci-fi movies. Like, and and it's a weird thing of like it permeating culture so much because most sci-fi, like real legitimate sci-fi, does not permeate culture in this way. Um, you know like a dune minus the new dune that everyone's seen but like really (laughs) you know it's not on everyone's radar this movie struck a strikes such a great balance between sci-fi philosophy action and, and such a blend of action like the action really does stand out in this movie even though there's not a lot of it there's gun action, there's fighting action, there's running away action, you know. It does it all so well. Um, and even stuff that seems a little cheesy still holds up and is enjoyable. Like, when 
Neo throws the phone in and they start playing Wake Up by Rage Against the Machine, which is so perfect. Yeah. It's so perfect for what this movie is. <laughs> um, I'm like, wow, that is a perfect song for the actual messages in this movie. And it's only somewhat cheesy, though they left the uh in the song, which is unfortunate. But it works. It works so well. <sighs> Fine, I'll give it five stars. <laughs> <laughs> That was the most reluctant. <laughs> I, I was going to go four and a half. But I'm like, I can't. I can't after that. It's five. It's five. It's yeah. five. I, I mean, I wouldn't hate you for going four it, and it's, a half. Like, it, it's quintessential. Yeah. <laughs> it's a quintessential it movie for, for film, for sci-fi, for all these things. It does. It, it immerses. It immerses everything so yeah. well. <laughs> It does, so... And, I'm just going to say it, they could have not made any more movies after this and it would have been perfect. I 100% now, agree. <laughs> now, I, I'm in for the ride, don't, don't get me wrong, but this movie really can stand alone so perfectly. Yes. So, that's Cool. <laughs> well, that brings us to Slade. What movie are we watching next? Is it Reloaded? Yeah, it's Reloaded. Is that on? I don't know. I, I have reloaded. the soundtrack to Reloaded. <laughs> it's Reloaded, then Revolutions, then Resurrection. Oh, boy. <laughs> Which yeah. neither of us have seen. That's where this is all getting excited. Or at least I haven't. I don't know if you have. Yeah. I, I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> Good. Okay. So we're all, we're, we will get a surprise. I will, all right, yeah. everybody. Uh, thank you so much. We're back. I hope you're back. I hope you've enjoyed this. We are going to continue in our Matrix journey to see how far down the rabbit hole goes. So in our next episode... Uh, Matrix Reloaded is where we're headed. And um, we're watching these on, on HBO Max, Max because yeah. it has Resurrection on there. But Resurrection's only on there until January 21st. And then it'll probably disappear for a while before they put it back on. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I want to make sure I see all of these. Uh, and if you've got HBO Max, hop on there, check them out. That's where we're going to be. You have and, nine uh, days. <laughs> nine days we're gonna get a lot of matrix in in a week all get right your week free subscription to hbo hey man it's gonna be a long weekend coming up i'm ready for it <laughs> i'm ready for it all right. right that's all we've got thank you so much for being here everyone and until next time farewell good people uh don't stop the talk after you walk or your living or your classroom